Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Good morning church. How are we all doing? We're doing well. Welcome. It is great to see all of you. Thanks for showing up today in God's house. And a big welcome to everyone listening back home on podcast too. We are so glad that you could tune in. Well, as Dave said, we are continuing on our teaching series called Get Ready. And last week, Pastor Dave kicked us off on part one. And that was absolutely phenomenal. And we are looking at Joshua, the children of Israel, and they're crossing across the Jordan River. And Dave last week shared with us the whole thought of repositioning. And the children of Israel need to reposition themselves so they could get ready to cross the River Jordan. Give me a wave if you've actually read the story of the crossing of the River Jordan in the book of Joshua. Fantastic. It is indeed an absolutely wonderful account. So if last week was all about repositioning, then this week can be summed up in this one phrase that I heard a few weeks ago. Little story for you. If you are a parent in the room, you'll probably find this slightly funnier than those of us that aren't parents. But a few weeks ago, I was on the schoolroom and I was taking Sophia and Isabel. I'm like, come on, come on, hurry up, get down the road. And we get to the school gates. And across the other side of the road is a really large car park, which we bless as parents to be able to use. And you, usual sight, there's parents getting kids and bags and lunch boxes and bottles out quickly. And suddenly, as we were walking past the car park, I heard this one parent that obviously had a challenging morning. And it was boiling up inside of them. And they're trying to get their children out of the car. And all of a sudden, I just hear the phrase at the top of their voice, move it! And I looked across. And I did not pray for them. I did not go to see if they were okay. I actually just started having a chuckle and a smile, and I thought to myself, I feel your pain. (laughs) Mom, I feel your pain. I know what that pain feels like. Because actually, as a parent, we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our energy trying to get our kids to move it. Move out of bed to the breakfast table. Move from the table to the front door where you need to get your hats, your scarves, your school jumpers on. Move it from the TV to your homework. Is any parent with me? Am I speaking any truth to anybody in the room? Move it. But actually, it's not just parents that have the mandate to move it. Actually, you might be here and you might be in a leadership position, maybe at work. And actually, part of your role as leader is you're trying to get your team to move along to where they need to get. 
Maybe there's goals, targets to achieve, deadlines you've got to work to. And you might find a great deal of your role is actually move, move it. Come on, guys, let's get to here. Maybe, maybe you're a student and you've got an exam, you've got some revision to do. And for you, you may have a continual task of actually moving yourself through your deadlines, through your revision, keeping motivated to move it. Maybe you find yourself right here today, 2020, you're actually in a season of transition. Maybe you've transitioned from one location to the next, one relationship to the next, one season to the next. And actually, the mandate over your life at the moment is, I need to move it. I need to move through that transition. I need to move through that change. And maybe you're here or you're listening at home and actually you know you need to move it, but you've got stuck. You've got stuck. You're standing still. You're in a game of musical statues and the music's still playing, but you're frozen. You're standing still. And actually maybe your challenge right here is actually you need to move it. You need to get unstuck and you need to get moving. And I guess wherever you're at today, the challenge comes to all of us that we need to move it. It's not just the kids in the car on the school playground that needs to get out the car and move it so mom doesn't lose it anymore. The reality is I need to move it and you need to move it in different areas of our life. And that really is where we're going today. These next few moments are going to be all about moving it. That is the crux of where we're going. So we're going to jump right in today and we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3. And it is a chapter with 17 verses. We're not going to read it all. When you get home, please go read it. Do your own homework. Do your own study. It's good for you. You need to do it. You need to know the word. But we're going to skim over it. We're going to take a bit of a bird's eye view and I'm just going to wrap it up so we can get the gist of what's going on. So are you ready? Turn to your neighbour and ask them, are you ready? Fantastic. Let's go. Joshua 3 verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Akathia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Let's pause. Who's Joshua? Joshua is now the leader over the children of Israel. It was Moses. Moses has now died. God now says to Joshua, Moses was great, but he's gone. It's now a new day. You're in charge. Wow. Joshua had a big job. He got up early. It's a good thing to get up early. If you're an early bird, give yourself a pat on the back. You get the worm. It's a good thing to get up early. So Joshua takes the children of Israel down to the river Jordan. Now, you've got to get the right picture in your head. The river Jordan is not a little trickle. It's not like, oh, cute, a little bit of water to like, bathe my foot in and tap it off, and walk across with my flip-flops. No, the River Jordan was, it was, a, it was a large river. 
But actually, it's actually magnified in this chapter because we find out, and you'll see later in the chapter, that they actually approach the River Jordan during harvest time. Well, what happens during harvest time at the Jordan? I'll tell you. The banks swell, they overflow, and it becomes an even more ferocious river. So they're looking at a huge river with banks that are overflowing, water that is everywhere, and that is where Joshua has now took the children of Israel to lodge. For how many days? We'll see in a moment. So it was after three days, everyone say three. Three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. The children of Israel are at the Jordan. There's around about two and a half million Israelites. Imagine going out for a picnic with two and a half million men, women, boys and girls. So Joshua is leading a vast amount of people. And what's this Ark of the Covenant? Well, this is actually really significant. So I want you to really get this. You see, if we rewind the clock in Exodus 25, God comes to Moses and he says, I want you to build me an Ark It's going to be the Ark of the Covenant, and it's going to symbolize a couple of things. It's going to symbolize my covenant with you, my relationship with you. But also, the Ark of the Covenant is going to symbolize the presence of God. And let me say, when the enemies of the Israelites knew that the Israelites possessed the Ark of the Covenant, They were terrified. They would wet their pants because they knew that means, uh uh-oh, the presence of God are with God's children. That means something big is about to happen. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence. Church, don't you need, don't we need God's presence more than anything else? Forget what type of swords they had, spears, sticks, how big and fat their men were. It was all about the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because it represented God's presence. And church, I don't want to go anywhere without God's presence. I don't know about you. I don't even want to go into double services in three weeks without God's presence. Because actually, you need and we need God's presence more than we need anything else and if you really want to dig you can go do your own reading but there were three things in this period that were in the ark of the covenant there was a pot of manna which reminded the people hey God's done it before it's provided he can do it again there was Aaron's rod and there was the mosaic law the ten commandments and who were these priests and these Levites Well, they were God's priests and the mandate over their life was to carry the Ark of the Covenant. It was to carry the presence of God. And interestingly, they represented two and a half tribes. You see, the two and a half million or so people were broken down into 12 tribes. 
And two and a half of those tribes were called priests and Levites. Who have we got in the mix? We've got the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The half-tribe of Manasseh. Don't you just love that God uses half-tribes? Like, we would maybe take the half-tribe and throw it to the side and go, no good, it's only 50%. But church, that's the word for someone here. You might feel like a half-tribe. You might feel like, I'm only half good. I've not had a great start in life. I'm like half the man, I'm half the woman that I should be. Well, let me tell you, God's in the business of taking half tribes and saying, you just see what I can do with a half tribe that gives themselves fully to me. You just see what God can do with your life if you feel like a half tribe. So the two and a half tribes were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Verse four, let's read on. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. That's the Ark of the Covenant. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. The children of Israel were told, there's a certain distance you must walk behind the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Two reasons. Number one, so that they could show respect to God's presence. Wow. Church, never become over-familiar with God's presence. We come to him as father. We are not scared of our king of Yahweh, but we must never treat the presence of God over-familiar. We show reverence and we show respect that this is almighty God. When we come together, we worship him with reverence. We worship him with respect, not in fear, but in respect and in reverence as we see the children of Israel do. And the second reason they walked back is because actually they needed to follow the ark. So they needed to walk back so they could actually see, we need to go this way. Now, now we just need to just, just take a little corner over here and we need to go that way. And God... He wants to lead you in that way through his presence that you will see God is prompting me to go this way. His presence is leading me this way as we continue to reverent him and worship him as almighty king. Verse five. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And we're going to skip to verse 11. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass... As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. As I said, read the rest at home. 
But the rest of that chapter, it paints an incredible story. The priests and the Levites did as God commanded. With the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, they went and they stood in the Jordan. As they stood in the Jordan, a miracle happened. God stopped the flow of the Jordan. The flow stopped many miles away. And the people walked across the Jordan, not even with soggy, wet feet. Actually, the bed of the Jordan was dry. And two and a half million men, women and kids walked across the Jordan River that day into their promised land. Because God did a miracle. And you see, there's so much in Joshua 3 that we could look at today. So much. We could talk about the people. We could talk about Joshua. We could talk about where they were going. But there's one simple thought I want us to hook into today because I believe it can help your life and it can help mine. And this is simply it. The miracle is in the movement. The miracle is in the movement. You see, God did not say, I tell you what, Joshua, you tell the priests and the Levites, I'm going to part the Jordan, I'm going to blow a few breaths on it, get it dry for you, then get the Levites out there with the Ark of the Covenant and then go across. No, 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 that is not how our God works throughout the whole of the scripture. They were all staring at the Jordan that was overflowing that looked like, how on earth are two and a half million people going to get through that? But here's the thing. The miracle came after the movement. They had to take the step into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. Their soles of the feet had to touch the river. And then, and then, what happened, church? The Jordan stopped the river the flow stopped the Jordan parted and the children of Israelite could walk across but the miracle was in the movement you see as we move God works miracles as you move God works miracles church I'd love it to be the other way around God You do your bit first, and then I'll do mine. You give me the money in the bank that I need first, and then I'll step out. You, you, you put the sign flashing in the sky in neon lights first, and then I'll step out. You make me feel like I've got all the courage and wisdom I need, and and then I'll step out. But no church. This is not how your God works. You see, page after page, and that's why you've got to read your Bible church, page after page, story after story, shows me that actually the miracle is in the movement. Let's think about it real quick. Peter, step out the boat, Peter, and come and walk on water with me. Yikes. The miracle 
was in the movement. Peter suddenly started walking on water. Hey, disciples, there's 5,000 people here and more that are hungry. Feed them. You've got two fish and five loaves of bread. Yikes. The miracle was in the movement. What does the word say? As soon as they started breaking the bread and giving out the fish, they started moving. What happened? A miracle. Hey, says Jonathan to his armor bearer, just maybe we can go take those naughty bad Philistines. Okay, let's do it. The miracle was in the movement. As they ran to the Philistines, chaos broke out. Jonathan and his armor bearer had the victory. Why? Because they sat on their bottoms and talked about it for three weeks. No, because they moved. The miracle is in the movement. And you see, church, right now, we're getting ready to cross over. Not in three weeks, not in three days, like the passage today, but in three weeks, we're crossing over. Thankfully, not the Jordan, you say, but we're crossing over into double services. And let me tell you, the miracle is going to be in the movement. Do you believe it? The miracle is going to be in the movement. As we go forward, because we have decided we're not going to be a church that stands still. The music's on, but we're frozen in musical statues. We're going to be a church that moves forward. And I know that the miracle is going to be in the movement. But why? Why are we moving? Why are we going to double? Why make more work for yourself, Leanne? Because why? Because we believe that as we create more physical space, that we're going to see God do what only he can do. We do the moving, he does the miracle. As we do the moving, I know, church, that we're going to see miracles of more lives being transformed, of men, women, boys and girls coming to Christ, of having more influence in this very local area. Why? Because we want to create space for God to do his miracles. And he just says, church, are you ready to move? Church, are you willing to move? It's our biggest move yet, church. Going to double services. It's not something we should take lightly. It's our biggest move. We know of very few churches this size, numerically, that have gone to double. Sure, churches are five, six, seven hundred, sure. But we're taking a big move together. Why? Because the miracle is in the movement. And I just know, I just know that he's going to come through. I just know that in one year, in two years, you're going to look back, I'm going to look back, and we're going to say, thank goodness we moved. Because the miracle is where, church? It's in the movement.
And real quick, I'm just going to throw out three key principles that I think we can learn from this passage. But we're going to focus right in on the two and a half tribes. Don't you just love that, two and a half? I just love that. The two and a half tribes. What can we see? And what are they teaching us that we need to really take on, that we need to live and breathe right now as we're preparing to cross over, as we're getting ready to go to double? The first one, thanks, Jadrian, is united. You see, we can see that the two and a half tribes were united in their mission to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan that had not yet parted. And we see, if you rewind back to Joshua 1, they say to Joshua, Joshua, we're with you, buddy. We're with you. Whatever you say, we're going to go for it. We're going to do it, Josh. Come on, we got this. We know we can do it. The God of Israel is with us. And they were united But all, and it was probably around 40,000 people, the two and a half tribes, all of them went out with the Ark of the Covenant. Imagine if 50% of them said, I'm with you in spirit, back down here, with the wife and kids. They've got a picnic ready, I really can't leave them. I'm with you in spirit. I'm with you in spirit, brothers. They don't need their spirit. They need the soles of their feet in the Jordan carrying the ark. That's what they needed. And that's what they got. These two and a half tribes were united. And you see, unity is God's secret weapon for growth and explosion. It's God's secret weapon for growth and explosion. When we are united as a body, we are anointed. Without unity, we can't be anointed. We're kidding ourselves. We might as well shut up shop and go home now. We've got to be united so we can be anointed The only way we can go forward into double, into creating more space for the presence of God is through unity. Because it's God's secret weapon for growth and for explosion. But what does it look like? Because I'm not into making things airy-fairy. So let me give you some tangible handles that you can wrap your mitts around. What does unity look like? Unity looks like speaking well of one another and honouring one another. I will never speak bad about anybody in front of anybody else. I will never dishonour this man in front of anybody. Even if I think, what on earth have you done that for? I will never dishonour him. I'll chat with him later. Maybe we need to go back and rethink about that. But we promote unity by speaking well of one another and honouring one another. We stay united when you play your part on team with excellence. 
When you turn up on time, you make your team members happy. When you do your job on your team to the best of your ability, you promote unity because you're saying together, I'm with you. We're going to make this thing rock. We're going to get it. We're going to show up when we said. We're going to give it our 100%. We're promoting unity. We're united when you're responsive in communication. If your team leader sends you a message, reply. Don't go quiet. Don't go silent. They can't read your mind. They don't know what's going on. We're united as we respond, as we keep the bus moving, as we're doing our best together. If you're not on a team, please join one. We'd love you to get on board with a team. Because as you come on board, you're saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm united. I'm going for the same thing as you are. You're playing your part. You're united when you get along to life group and counter nights, when you're rubbing shoulders with the men and women of God. You're showing tangibly, I'm united. You see, unity is not just something we say. It's something we actually walk. It's something we've got to practice. It's something that we've got to put legs and feet on. Unity. You see, I just know, church, that when we're united, nothing is going to be impossible for our God. Nothing. How many men change the world? Twelve. Twelve? Nearly fell then. I wouldn't have chose twelve. I chose about 12,000 at least. Given them all roles, lanyards, had meetings, everything. No, no, 12. They were united friends. Those guys were united. As the church grew, they sold everything and shared it with one another. They met constantly. They were devoted. And this is our second principle. Thanks, Dad. If the miracle is in the movement then choose to be devoted. You see, these Levites and these priests, they were going ahead of the children of Israel, even though when the lands were conquered and the spoils were shared, the Levites and the priests, because of their priestly role, would have none of it. They would not have lands. But you know what? They were so devoted to one another. They were so devoted to the other tribes that were behind them that they said, it doesn't matter if we don't get anything. It doesn't matter if our one role is simply to serve the Lord as priest. We're devoted to the cause. We're devoted to to Yahweh we're devoted to these other tribes that are right behind us now and are watching us go ahead there's times when you've got to go ahead by yourself I feel that's a word for someone today you've got to go ahead alone don't worry the people that are meant to follow you will come with you but you've got to go ahead you pray about that if that's for you and ask God for courage You see, church, 
As we go over into double services, we need you to be more devoted to him first and to one another than ever before. We all need to zip up and increase our level of devotion. What does that look like? How can you be more devoted? Well, I've already said it. If you're on a team, show up, do your best. If you're giving into the house, carry on. If you're not giving and you've never tithed, can I encourage you? Step out and do it. Be devoted with your purse and your wallet, as well as other areas of your life. Be devoted by pursuing God. Every Sunday morning before you get here, why not say, God, use me today. Give me a word for someone. Give me an encouragement. If there's someone you want me to pray for, God, I'm available. Lean me to that person. Be devoted. Get here before the service. Why? So you can have a coffee. So you can say, how are you doing? How's your week been? How's your kids? You told me about your headache two weeks ago. How is that? Stay at the end. Go through to the lounge. Be devoted to one another. Be devoted. And be devoted to Christ the most. Do you know how devoted Jesus was to you? It says it in John 1.14, and I love the message version. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He was that devoted to you, friends. He left heaven. He left all the glories of heaven. And he said, I'm going to move down to their earth. For 33 years, I'm going to live with them because that is how devoted I am. And at 33, I'm going to give myself to a Roman cross. I'm going to rise again. And they're going to know that's how devoted I am. So if he did that for me, I can up my game with my devotion. I think you can up your game with your devotion when we think what he did. And very finally, thanks, Dad. Enthusiastic. If the miracle is in the movement, then choose to be enthusiastic. What does enthusiasm mean? It means to be full of faith. Trust in God. Responsive and in expectation. These Levites and priests, they were full of faith. Were they scared to go into the Jordan River? I think they were. They didn't have a Superman t-shirt on. They were only like you. But they chose to be full of faith. Come on, let's do it. 40,000 of them with the Ark of the Covenant. They were full of faith. As they walked into the Jordan, I think they were full of expectation. Yahweh's going to come through. God's got us. Joshua has heard the voice from God. They were full of enthusiasm. They were full of faith. They were full of expectation. Church, it's a picture what you need to be like and what I need to be like. We need to be full of enthusiasm. As we go to double, church, we need to be more enthusiastic than we've ever been. Why do I say that? Well, let me tell you, there's going to be some services that you rock up to where there's going to be about 40 people. Let's do the maths. We're going in half. One service might be slightly bigger than the other. Thanks so much for the questionnaires. They have been awesome. We have got 
a 50-50 split, pretty much. But there's going to be some services you're going to rock up and you're going to look around and you're going to think, blind me, there's not many people here today, is there? Woo! Should have come to that other service. I knew this was a bad decision. Can I tell you what you need to do then? You need to slap yourself around the face and you need to say, I am going to worship my pants off. I am going to praise my socks off. When the band gets going, I'm not going to stand there looking like I'm half asleep and waiting for someone behind me to make a noise. I am going to go for it. I am going to be enthusiastic. In my praise and in my worship, I'm going to be expectant that God's here, that God's going to do something. Don't wait for someone else to look lively. You look lively. Don't just say, well, I'll just let Leanne be lively on the front row. No, you be lively with me. Let's be enthusiastic together. Bring your praise. Song one, bang, go for it from the start. Don't wait to the end of song three and think, oh, yeah, it's not too bad after all, is it? It's gone. We've lost the moment. And I'll tell you what happens. When you get enthusiastic, that person on your left, on your right, behind, in front, guess what happens to them? You rub it off on them. They think, yeah, this God is worth praising. In our message, whoever's speaking, be enthusiastic. And what I mean by that is we create an atmosphere with our words. Power, the power of death and life is in the mouth. So when someone is speaking, if they say something and your spirit goes, yeah, that does make sense. I do agree with that. I do believe in that. Can I encourage you, church? And for some of us, this is like, whoa, this is out of my comfort zone. Just agree. Yeah, great. That's good. Brilliant. Why? Because as you're opening your mouth and you're agreeing with the word of God, what's happening is in the spiritual realm, because there's more in the spiritual realm than the physical. There's more going on than what we can ever see. You're creating an atmosphere of faith. And when we create an atmosphere of faith, church, miracles happen. For some of us, we just need to get our mouths moving a little bit more at the right time. Now, I love it. Hospitality. I love going in there. Sometimes it's so loud. I'm talking to someone. I'm going, excuse me, can you say that again? Because there's so much noise around me. Let's take that enthusiasm. Let's put it in our worship, in our praise. When someone's speaking, agree. Yeah. Release and build that atmosphere of faith. Let's be enthusiastic. This is a miserable world that we're in. It's getting more miserable. Is that just me that thinks that? Let's make this a place when people come through those doors that they think, wow, the enthusiasm, the expectation, the faith. The positivity, the life is like something I've never felt anywhere else. And that will open the door into the presence 
of God. Because we know, if you read your Bible, the presence of God is no longer in an ark of the covenant. It's not in a tabernacle. Through Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his Holy Spirit, in you, if you're a Christ follower, where's the presence of God, church? Come on, talk to me. Where's the presence of God? It's in you. You carry it. It's in Joe. She's got it. It's in Nadia. She's the presence of God. Rosa is the breath of the presence of God where she walks. It's in you. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. Time is gone. But church, stand with me this morning. As I bring this to close this morning, I just want to simply ask you, in what areas of your life do you need to move in? Maybe in your own personal life, there's areas today that the Holy Spirit is nudging you. Come on, girl. Come on, son. You need to move in this. Maybe in these three areas, united, devoted, enthusiastic. Maybe there's one, maybe it's all of those where you're thinking, yeah, I need to move it. I need to move it. I need to go to the next, the next rank of the ladder. I need to push myself in that area. And just in this moment, as the band play for just a few seconds, I want to invite us to do something prophetic in this place today. And if through this message, Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if you know, yes, Leanne, there's an area in my life where God is saying, move it. Then what I'm going to ask you to do, as I pray for everyone, one blanket prayer, is I'm going to ask you to physically move. I'm going to ask you maybe to come out of your aisle, out of your row, to come and stand in the aisle. If you want to come and stand at the front, feel free. But I want to ask you to prophetically move yourself. And I'm going to ask for a fresh anointing, for a fresh courageousness, and for a fresh sense of God's presence in your life. Church, does that sound good? Are you ready to get ready? Are you ready to move? Are you ready to cross over? Come on, I'm going to give us 10 seconds right now all over this place. If Holy Spirit is saying, move it, and you want to respond, move out your chair now. I'm going to pray for us right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Just move forward. Guys, move forward to make more space. That is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We honour you. We honour you for your name, for your fame, for your glory, for your kingdom. Dear God, I want to thank you this morning for every man and every woman that is responding in their hearts, that they're saying, Holy Spirit, I want to move it in this certain area, in this certain situation, in this certain realm of my life. I want to thank you for the faith 
of every person that is responding. And I want to ask Holy Spirit today, would you give them a fresh courage, courage that would move with you, courage that would take those steps, have those conversations, put those new habits into place, God. Holy Spirit, would you bless them, God. Lord, I pray for those even today that have had chains wrapped around their life, around their mind, around their body. Even for years, I ask today in the name of Jesus, I speak release over those chains in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you have destiny. You have territories. You have lands. You have promises to give your people that they are about to walk into. And we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. In your name, in your name. Church, for those of you that are responding, can I encourage you right now for 20 seconds, raise your own voice. Pray for yourself. Call out to Jesus now with that situation you're responding concerning. seconds all over this place, whether you're responding, whether you're still in your seat, for 30 seconds, turn to someone near you and let's pray. Speak a blessing over one another. Speak courage and faith over one another right now. Come on church, all involved, find one person. Let's pray. Let's bless one another in this place. Before we move on, I want to give an opportunity for any person in this place today that wants to say in their heart, I want to make a move closer to this Jesus. Maybe it's your first move. Maybe you made a move years ago and you're saying, I need to re-move again. I want to pray for you this morning. So across this place, let's stay in an attitude of prayer. If you're saying, I want to move towards Jesus this morning, lift your hands right now. It would be my honour to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Wonderful. Come on, church. Let's pray today. Dear God. I want to thank you for every person that wants to make a move to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are waiting with anticipation, with open arms. Thank you, Jesus, that you love every man and woman. Would you draw near to them by your presence this week? Would they start to discover the truths and the goodness of your cross? of your resurrection, of your Holy Spirit. Would you bless them? Turn their worlds around. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's applaud him this morning.
Let's give him some praise. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.